Welcome to the HCI Family of Podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Welcome to the podcast. In this podcast episode, I talk with Alfred Ashak about the causes, consequences, and solutions for burnout in the workplace. Alfred Ishak, welcome to the conversation today. Wow, thank you. Really great to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Detroit area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be discussing the causes, consequences, and solutions for burnout in the workplace. I think we've all felt it uh, during the pandemic in particular. I think it was very challenging. Uh, I don't know about you, Alfred, but I was, you know, me and my wife are, are both you know, working full time. We have six children. We were trying to do like the homeschool stuff while everything was on lockdown mixed with our own jobs. And it, it was just a nightmare, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, so, so burnout can happen anytime. I, I think uh, for people who may not have experienced it too much previously, I, I'm sure most people <laughs> experienced it to some extent during the, the pandemic. Uh, and now the the new reality is, you know, how do we balance um, all the competing priorities and interests of employees and how do we help create a healthy workplace environment where they can do their best work. As we get started, I wanted to share Alfred's bio with everybody. Alfred Ishak is Vice President of People Strategy at Human8. With more than 15 years of experience in consumer insights, market research, analytics, and he brings a unique blend of authentic leadership, customer-centric strategy, and a disruptive growth mindset to drive organizational change and operational results. Now, I could say a lot more about your background, Alfred, but I'm going to pause there. Anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background or personal context before we get started? Um, No, that was great. Um, I guess I would just add that the organization I work for, Humanate, we're a global uh, consultancy. Um, So we're a professional services organization. Um, which I think adds some interesting context to this uh, conversation because we're talking about employee burnout. We're talking about um, kind of when employees are feeling like overly stressed and um, depleted of energy at work. And we do Mm -hmm. have that in the context of the type of work that we do. We're not Mm -hmm. saving lives. We're not ER doctors. You know, we our work is important, but it needs to be um, addressed with the right type of perspective. So I just want to make sure people know the kind of industry I'm coming from. Very good. And, you know, we've already introduced the the topic of burnout just a little bit. Again, I think we all have experienced that to some extent. Why do you think the prevalence of burnout is rising so much recently? Yeah, well, you um, brought up the pandemic, and I I hope at some point soon we can stop um, talking about the pandemic as a cause for a lot of this stuff, but it really did bring some things to light. Um, We, uh, 
we had a lot of people who are parents who are dealing with um, not only keeping their kids home from school and working with their education, but now dealing with the effects of those kids that weren't in the right social yep. settings for a long time. Um, we're inundated by um, cultural uh, stressors. Um, they feel more abundant these days, or at least are more apparent since um, they're so in our face through social media and other uh, mm -hmm. platforms. Um, and then you have the current economic conditions. Um, business conditions are creating tighter and tighter operating margins. So it yeah. just seems like the environment is right for people to be feeling this type of burnout. Yeah, I mean, that's consistent with my experience. Um, and like you said, even, you know, challenges, immediate challenges during the pandemic, you know, three years later, you know, the 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 challenges we faced with our children, certainly there have been ripple effects um, ongoing. And so many individuals um, reconsidered their priorities uh, mm -hmm. during the pandemic and identified, you know, what was most important to them and salient to them. And and so the rise of remote work or hybrid work, I, I think, has contributed in, in interesting ways to this conversation. More employers nowadays, you know, trying to get people to come back to the office. And so people wrestling with, you know, the 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 new autonomy and flexibility they felt, you know, during a remote work phase. Now, you know, trying to rejuggle what that looks like with their family life, with their home life, etc. Um, sure. You know, all of that layered on top of the social strife, the political strife, the economic strife, <laughs> like everything. I, I certainly feel like it's more prevalent today than it was, yeah. you know, even, you know, five years ago, um, just the, the daily grind of just like waking up to all the crazy news uh, mm -hmm. that's happening. And all of that, you know, we can't just divorce that we can't just say show up to work as a professional and like leave all that behind. Right. That's not how people work. Exactly. Um, it all bleeds together. And, and so there really are just the, those ongoing impacts uh, where it's this cumulative effect, I think, of all these things being layered on top of each other that just makes it really hard. You also mentioned the squeeze. Um, because margins are tight, because we're in a hyper-competitive marketplace, because of the labor market and the shifting nature of the workforce, you know, and, and the nature of work itself, all of this just adds to that squeeze. And frankly, most humans aren't super thrilled with change and aren't super thrilled with constantly having to renegotiate their jobs and all of those sorts of things. All of this just adds to the complexity of this situation. Yeah, exactly. Well said. It is, um, it is this constant push and pull of the demands or the perceived demands of our workplace and our jobs versus the capacity that we have to address those demands. And that capacity is affected by all of these things that we're talking about, not only factors at work. So it's really important that um, we have these types of conversations and organizational leaders are um, recognizing that this is an issue with really far-reaching impact. And again, I think all of us experience this to some extent, but, you know, some more severely than others. What are some of those symptoms or the signs that we should be on the lookout for as organizational leaders to see people who are really, you know, at the threshold, like, uh, yeah. you know, the straw is almost going to break the back. And, and these are people we really need to help and support. Yeah, great question. Um, I think there are <clears throat> people with uh, high emotional IQ that um, can feel when somebody is suffering in one way or another. But 
for those of us that might not um, have though that type of sensing capability, there are generally four um, categories of signs of burnout. Um, one is exhaustion or energy depletion. So think um, constant fatigue or uh, lack of concentration that you might see in employees. Um, so that's one thing to really look out for. Another is a detachment to one's work, um, like a loss of enjoyment, um, a perceived lack of motivation. Uh, that's a big one as well. Um, a third sign, and again, it gets to how far reaching some of this impact is, is just ineffectiveness. So low productivity, um, kind of a apathetic posture to work, lowered performance. Um, so that's something that's really prevalent. Um, and then just general negativity. Uh, so negative attitudes about the work, negative attitudes about um, the workplace or your coworkers. Um, those are all things to look out for. You know, I think we all have that to an extent, like from time to time. And I was just joking, you know, in the pre-interview, you know, it's a Monday morning, I'm dragging myself out of bed, it's dark and blah, 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 right? Like everyone experiences a lack of motivation or exhaustion or those sorts of things from time to time. But what we're really trying to hone in on here is people uh, who are experiencing that in, in a kind of a disproportionate way, particularly those who were previously engaged, high performers, exactly. you know, people that were doing great work. And all of a sudden you just see this kind of tapering off uh, and decline. And you have to ask yourself why. Now, in a lot of high stress kind of environments, workplace environments where, where, you know, you're focused on the results, it can be really easy to just say, well, you know, you're not performing anymore and kind of cut them loose or, or whatever, and just chalk it up to bad performance. Uh, but I don't think we're in the, I mean, from a human perspective, I don't think that's a good approach anyways, but, but even setting that aside, just from a, like a pragmatic perspective in the workplace, I don't think we have the labor market to support that kind of an approach. <laughs> we just don't have enough skilled people to do the work yeah. that needs to be done. And so we can't afford to lose previously really great performers who now, for whatever reason, are just kind of, it's declining. Uh, and burnout is one of those huge pieces. Now I've felt it too. I'm a, I'm an academic. I, you know, I'm mm -hmm. a professor and Fortunately, in the academic world, we have something called sabbaticals. And every yes. six years, <laughs> you know, you get this opportunity to apply. Not everyone takes it and not everyone gets the opportunity, but, you know, everyone can at least apply for it. And man, my goodness, I, I, I'm one of those, I, I think I have a hard time saying no, I'm a high mm -hmm. performer. And so people ask me to join all sorts of projects and groups and committees, in addition to my teaching and my research and the consulting work I do on the side. And so over time, I, you know, I just start to feel more burnout and, and all of those symptoms that you said, I 100% experienced. And the nice thing is I have an outlet. So, yeah. you know, five years goes by and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this in you know, another minute. I'm starting to feel it. Well, guess what? I can apply for a sabbatical. I could take six months off and uh, kind of regroup and recontextualize and just, you know, ha have the ease. Most people don't have the, that kind of a situation. <laughs> and so you start to feel this, this, this burnout. And the, I mean, for a lot of people, it's either you just kind of put your head down and try to plow through it. Uh, or you your performance declines enough that you end up getting booted from your job and then you're out on the market. Um, it's it's not a great situation for anybody in that kind of a, a context. Uh, so what do you see as some of the primary ways leaders can step in once they've acknowledged this, once they see these symptoms, the signs, 
how can we step in and try to reconcile this with our our team uh, so that we can help those great performers become great performers again so we can help provide the support that they need yeah no that's great um and and you're right um it's really incumbent on leaders to take our responsibility in this issue this is not wholly an employee issue right um yeah there are conditions likely conditions set up in the workplace that are making it such that um people are falling into this realm of burnout but um so i i think at an organizational level the first thing that leaders need to do is recognize this is a real thing it's mm-hmm. it's not a trend it's not a generational thing it is um a real um cultural issue that is impacting our employees and impacting our business um and large issues like that take real systemic and cultural change. Um, so that's the first thing is um, getting the attention that it needs and getting the resources that it needs. Um, can I, can I um, yeah. jump in for just a second? Maybe it's worth taking just a few minutes. Uh, you mentioned how it, you know, a leader's role in burnout is at first to acknowledge the diverse kind of causes of the burnout and there it can be systemic issues, policies, practices, procedures that contribute to it, the culture overall. Um, Let's hone in a little bit on just those root causes for a second. Um, Because again, we often talk about this as an employee issue. Um, And, you know, it is to an extent, right? Obviously, uh, you know, and I think of my own experience when I'm experiencing burnout, like I, I need to take responsibility for like overextending myself and like doing those sorts of things. But there's a reason why I overextend myself and there's a reason why I, you know, I do the things that then lead to burnout. Um, so what are some of the most common root causes that you see? Yeah. Um, and, and that's exactly right. If we get back to that idea that it is this um, kind of equation, right? There's this imbalance that's existing between the demands on a person and that person's capacity to respond to those demands. If you think of that demand side, there's so much that can go wrong and often goes wrong. Um, think unrealistic workloads. Um, this is really common in American corporate culture right now that it's almost you know, the organization has a set of responsibilities and a set of goals and objectives and um, key people are often tasked with so much of it that it, it becomes very unreasonable at times and very daunting for people at times. Um, that coupled with timelines and deadlines, it might be unreasonable. So, so that's one key thing is workloads and timelines. Um, also something that I notice is really prevalent is just a lack of clarity on expectations, a lack of clarity on roles. Um, so people often are performing with really, um, incomplete information on what's expected of them, what, what it looks like to be successful, who else has responsibilities in the same, um, realm. Um, so just lack of clarity. And along with that is poor communication. Um, often you, you have leaders setting visions and then there's maybe a second layer that is supposed to maybe take that vision and put it into more operational plans. Um, and a lot gets lost along the way. Um, and then before you know it, the people on the front lines who are actually responsible for doing the work and carrying forward these plans 
really don't have the context they need, don't have the why that they need. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those are all things that um, at an organizational level, we can do better at. Like leaders can role model the right types of behaviors and the right types of expectations um, and hold people accountable for when they see things go off track. Um, So those are some things that come to mind right away. Yeah. And again, this is a bit unique, but in a university setting, um, you know, I can speak to my own experience. I'm kind of known as a bit of a workhorse. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm a a doer. I get stuff done. I've been seen as a high performer on campus. Uh, I enjoy what I do. Uh, My why is clear. Like I have all those things in place. What really gets me is when I see inconsistencies in how administration or the executive leadership uh, handles different situations. And when I'm trying to, you know, fulfill the kind of the mission, the roles that I've been given and feeling like the kind of this insane and inconsistent bureaucracy is hindering me. So I'm not being supported. In fact, I'm being, it's like, it's like I'm sitting in the deep end of the pool, treading water. And then people are like piling weights on top of my head. Right. (laughs) Or like I'm pounding my head against a brick wall repeatedly trying to get something done. Um, and for me, that's where it really starts to hit in. Like, and then I, you know, as you talked about, like the negativity, it's it's really easy to start to succumb right. to the the negative thought patterns. And and most people aren't waking up in the morning thinking, how am I going to make John's life difficult today? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's not something that happens. Yeah. And you know, they're just doing the best they can in their work. Yet you know, this environment is contributing to just the, the, the frustration and the sense of not being able to accomplish what I've been tasked to accomplish, et cetera. And I think that's a big contributor um, to the burnout. I know at least that I've felt in the past. For sure. I mean, not having the right support around you facing any type of toxicity in the workplace that's all going to just add and compound. And yeah, that's why we're in the situation we're in right now is because all of these things connect to one another. And you're right, John, like nobody is trying. I mean, for the most part, I hope nobody's trying to make anybody's life uniquely more difficult. But in in this complex system that we've created in our workplaces, so much can go wrong. And it does. It does lend itself to all of these factors, just creating not the greatest work environment for some. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So leaders taking responsibility, understanding their role in in connection with the role of the individual employee. Now, what can we really do to address this, prevent it ideally, but be proactive about responding to it when we start to see the signs within our teams and within our individual, the, the people in our teams? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, So I think one thing is setting an inspiring vision that employees can connect with. There's so much research that I'm sure you're very well aware of um, that points to if there is no connection between an employee's individual purpose and that the purpose of their company, the purpose of their organization, things can get off track really easily. So it is really incumbent on leaders create something inspiring, create something that people can connect with, um, because that that will at least lend itself to motivation to, to kind of carry that charge to, to meet these collective goals with an organization. 
Um, so once you have that, then it's really about creating a supportive and open work environment that's underpinned by both psychological safety. Um, so people feel like there's real openness to um, taking care of one another, to, to doing the, the things that create the right conditions around each other, but also that's underpinned by accountability. Um, when people don't uh, behave the way that you would hope, when leaders aren't setting the right examples or creating unrealistic expectations, they really need to be held accountable. And, and you mentioned that, you know, that that lack of consistency in what we expect from one another and what we what we um, hold each other to is really a problem. So psychological safety and accountability um, and divert resources to wellness programs. This is not mm -hmm. just an HR issue, yeah. but your HR departments, your wellness people, they're the people that can get in the resources for uh, better mental and emotional wellness programs. Um, so making sure that you are uh, um, diverting those resources to where we need it. Well, I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. This has just been a great conversation. Um, but as we start to wrap things up, I'm wondering if there's uh, any additional insights or perhaps personal experiences you would like to share in relation to this burnout? Yeah, um, I think the the point I'd like to leave on is what somebody can do if they themselves are feeling burnt out, if they mm -hmm. feel like these types of um, uh, feelings creep in. Number one, acknowledge it. it it's, it's okay. It's natural. Um, all of us, like you said, John, have experienced these types of things. Um, there's ebbs and flows in everybody's lives and Oh, yeah. you know, there's times where you just uh, aren't feeling your best, you're not performing your best. Um, and it's okay. So acknowledge it. That's the number one thing to do. And then take control of the things that you are clearly in control of, like, take care of yourself, prioritize sleep, exercise, try mindfulness activities, take that time off um, that you've you deserve and that you've earned. Um, and really disconnect with it. So do those things to take care of yourself. And then at the same time, advocate for the right conditions to be created around you. So seek the support of managers and mentors um, in making sure you have the right resources, you have the right conditions around you. Um, align yourself with those things that give you energy. Um, there's a reason you're at the job that you're at most likely, um, there's something that made you happy about it at some point, pour your energy into those things, find efficiencies in the things that deplete you of energy, or maybe even find a way to delegate them. Um, oftentimes we don't have to be doing everything that we think we need to be doing. So yeah. really dissect that. Um, and then if it, does not get better and you don't see the signs of improvement, like evaluate your options at your current employer, because a lot of organizations have cross-functional opportunities for people that can really change the dynamics of their, um, of their working. But also maybe the answer is beyond your current employer, but mainly do the things that you need to do to make you the best version of yourself, because that way, You'll be the best employee. You'll be the best parent and partner and friend. Um, so I would just say, take care of yourself. Yeah, well said. Take care of yourself. Prioritize your own physical and mental wellness. Hopefully leaders are modeling this and yes. encouraging members of their team to do this. 
Uh, I think all of that is very well said. Alfred, it's been a real pleasure as we wrap things up. I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, if you have any final word. Yeah, um, that would be wonderful. I would love to hear from people. Um, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Again, uh, my name is Alfred Ishak. Um, Ishak is spelled I-S-H-A-K. Um, yeah, this is a really important issue to me. Um, I do work in people strategy, but I'm also, uh, you know, working for this consulting firm where we're dealing with um, global Fortune 500 companies and helping them solve their organizational issues as well as more uh, commercial or customer facing issues. Um, and you just can see the prevalence of this taking place in our society. So we need to help each other, lean on each other. Um, so I'm happy to play my little part and would love to hear from people and learn from people as well. Thank you, Alfred. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Alfred and his team at Humanate can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and please join us again soon.